welcome back to Return to Gilead. I am your excited host, Michael LeFevre. I'm your also excited host, Ryan Matlock. And we are excited because we have here with us the audio drama legend, John Fornoff. Welcome to Return to Gilead, Mr. Fornoff. It's so hey. fantastic to have you here. Well, I'm excited too. Wow, this is a lot of excitement going on here. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're you're probably best known for your work on Adventures in Odyssey and Lamplighter Theater, uh, but you're also, you're also a very prolific writer on the latter half of Down Gilead Lane uh, from from 2006 to 2009. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you tell us how you got started with that and what's your background in audio drama in general and what were some key insights you took away from working on Gilead back then? Oh, great questions. Um, I think, yeah, there was John Campbell gave me a call. John Campbell, the composer for, for Odyssey. And he was saying, John, I think they need some help over there at Down Gilead Lane. And he made the connection for me. And so I talked with Terry Ritchie and Steve O'Dell and then uh, joined with Laurie Twitchell and uh, just started sending – we started talking about ideas and what we could do for the series. And uh, we have (laughs) – they mentioned the unmentionable uh, season. Yeah, that one. Yeah, they had to uh, control Z on that entire uh, plot there. (laughs) Kind of interesting. It's like, oh, okay. And so uh, we were brought in, Lori and I were brought in as writers. So we just brainstorm ideas and uh, yeah, we took it from there. Just great team to work with. It was a small team, but we did a lot of, lot of stuff with the series. And it was just a lot of, it was, a, it was really a lot of fun. Well, one thing I've noticed about your episodes is that you bring up a lot of stuff from early Gilead, uh, like Mr. Key and yes. uh, what happened with Tom Richter on the end of Gilead Lane. Yes. How much How much research did you actually like? Did you do for those episodes? Did you just read summaries, or did you go back and listen to the series? Well, first of all, whenever I uh, join a series, um, when I was working at Focus, I joined. Uh, I was producer for Last Chance Detectives, the mm-hmm. audio series. So what I did was, which is what I did here with uh, Down Gilead Lane. I went back to the original. I like. I like to respect. You know, I'm I'm building on something somebody else has come up with this world. You know, and I want to respect that and and salute what's been done before because I think that's important. I don't want to just like, oh, I'm going to do my own thing. No, no, no. There's a whole world that's been created. I want to recognize and respect that. So I did that with Last Chance Detectives. Talked with Bob Vernon, and we together we uh, who created the video series, and together we created the audio series. So here with Down Kelly Lane, it's like there's a wonderful story here. Uh, there's some great stuff, and I like to tap into that. And so um, I was reading, mostly reading scripts, and also talking a lot with Steve O'Dell and Lori as well, just kind of getting up to speed. So that was my research, talking with them, uh, reading scripts, and kind of getting a feel of what what the show was was doing. And you get that's a, a great story, you know. And I, I wanted to go back to that moment, what happened at that tree, you know, years ago that, that somebody covered up, you know. So I, th- I thought it was fascinating to me. I met with one of the uh, Grand Rapids, met with uh, Terry, uh, Terry Ritchie and the team. I got to, I got to meet uh, Uncle Charlie, uh, the original, nice. uh, one of the original hosts from uh, Children Fiber. Great guy with a wonderful sense of humor. Just a, just a amazing, quick, sharp, smart guy, even though he's like in his 80s. And he would answer, by the way, this is a by, by the way kind of thing, but I love these kind of stories because that, that's part of our heritage when we're doing all these audio dramas. What have they done before? 
and uh, Uncle Charlie, he would answer every letter that came in. It's like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. So just a great guy. Just so anyway, that was part of going up the uh, uh, going up the CBH, then Children's Bible Hour, Keys for Kids. Met with Terry. Terry was tremendously supportive. She was a producer, uh, executive producer, and then Steve O'Dell was the producer. He was the one putting together the schedule and all that. A great guy to collaborate with. We just really enjoy that. And and Lori's my, my writing sister. I mean, she she uh. knew Down Gilead Lane a lot better than I did. And she brought me up to speed, and we had a tremendous respect for each other. It's kind of a brother and sister writing team, and just love working with her, with her and, and the whole team. So it, it was a joy, you know. It's just it, you know, work. Writing is is work, but it's a joyful work, and um and and so we just enjoyed working with each other and brainstorming ideas. Uh, and we we're brainstorming ideas. What's going to happen? And then we got the word that we're going to end the series. Like no, <laughs> you know. And then we kept brainstorming ideas and it got bigger and bigger it's like are we really gonna do this and they we did it it was it was just a lot of fun so yeah, yeah. we haven't got there yet in our episode oh, reviews. Yes. i'm sure we're gonna have tons tons to talk about about the uh the conclusion when we get there oh yes but what, what we've really appreciated uh what we appreciated about beth culp's writing uh who was the original author is yes. how she really focused on the little things and the themes between the the parents and the kids and even small conversations that were could be like in Odyssey might just be oh yeah that was a one liner uh, the parents take those things very seriously it's not like the emphasis on that just disappears but you take it to a whole other level like by bringing a Tom Richter to Christ bringing Mr Key to Christ and going through such epic journeys for these characters how did you take what she had written and and adapt that I know you, you've spoken a little bit about respecting the source material but w- what was it like to finally bring those arcs to their conclusions oh it, it was the thing about um yeah that's again respecting the the world that Beth brought into the uh into being here and also I just ran across this too as I was, I was going back over these episodes I've ran across the story bible and this oh. is this is um the story bible Do you have it Joe Bible yes I've got it oh and, uh, <laughs> yes so it's like a treasure trove I was just looking over it's like oh man Beth did her homework she went to deep detail a deep dive into the characters and and a lot of the stuff you you don't hear in the shows but you get a sense of it's there there's all this background right as a good writer will do she she did she did extensive work on that and so I I remember I talking with all the team and also drawing from Beth's stuff. And you might check, get permission, maybe from Steve O'Dell or whatever, that I could I could let you look at that. But I think that would be yeah. really we would love look at the behind the scenes, the juicy stuff, you know? How about <laughs> I that? would love to see that, but in the talks that I've had with Keys for Kids, they're extremely protective of Beth's stuff. So I I, I unfortunately don't think we could talk about that on the air uh, or not, not necessarily even off air. But, you know, I, I would love to as a Brobe Dignasian Gileadite myself, but, you know, not – not at the moment, but I'm sure there's there's tons of stuff in there. Uh, specifically, is there was there stuff about Mr. Key that you used for uh, that four part? Oh yeah, well that's where I got the whole story about Elsie, you know, about about his wife and and went back and so I just went back because I like to remain true to the world that Beth created. I really respect what she did, so went back there, picked up some background there. You know, what was his first name? I mean, just simple stuff like that. Jeremiah was Mr. Key was Jeremiah Key. You know, he married Elsie and that kind of thing. So I want to remain true to that. So I went back to that that show. I call it show Bible. That's what the, most people call it, and uh, that's where I picked up a lot of a lot of the background material. And also, what happened that that awful horrific night, you know, that uh, Tom Richter uh, Jr. just just uh, 
had that horrible accident, you know, and what happened after that. So, yeah, just so answer your question. I just I was inspired by Beth's uh, by her backstory. And I just went, okay, what how do we take this to the next level? And one of the things I really as I get into this, like God gives you insight and gives you creative ideas and stuff. So if it's good, it's God. If it's if it's not, I'll just take the blame. But anyway, um, <laughs> for instance, Tom Richter, like like him coming to grips with what he did, and he has to literally go down Gilead Lane, which is yes. kind of, has to go down that street. Just going down the street is horrific for him to remember that, and going to the very tree where that awful thing happened, and he kneels right there at the tree. There's something really poignant about that moment when God gave me that idea, but that's that very place, the very place where we have our, our, the most awful thing happened to us. God turns it into something beautiful. And isn't that like God? It's like Solomon said, God makes everything beautiful in its time. That's another way of saying God turns all things to good for those who are called according to his purpose. It's, it's there's something beautiful about when God redeems. And that's a picture of redemption right there. Take you to the most awful, horrific, dark place that you've gone through in your life and, and help you see it for what it is, but then see a bigger picture of God at work. There is something powerful about that kind of redemption. And God is not a pretty good redeemer. He is a great redeemer. That's what he did in that story. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I love that you bring that perspective to it. Something we also noticed was that in that first episode or the first part of that, Unfinished Business Part 1, there are only like four characters. And you keep the story very, very much around Tom and the couple members of his family who he's talking to. And I thought that was that's another way of staying true to the original. You're not bringing in all new characters yet and changing the story to form another overarching narrative that's going to bring Tom to Christ. You're building on the original story and that story of redemption that Beth had set up and keeping it really simple when you're doing it. So I, I thought that was an incredible way to respect the source material. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And just uh, and with salvation things, I learned this from Paul McCusker. Salvation scenes are the, are the hardest to write. And you got but it's got to remain true. You can't just insert it. You know, it's got what's they struggle with things. They how do they come? You know, what's what's there's an emotional logic to it. And um, for um, Tom's journey there, I wanted to make that you know realistic, where where you know it's 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 got to be his daughter that 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 is is talking to him and it's, all these kind of things. I really really enjoyed writing Mr. Key's salvation arc, and all this time, all these people in his life have been speaking to him, just gently leading him to God. You never know when you talk to somebody. What is seed? Like you're one of the dominoes, right? And you'll never know another dumb and never know that person will come to to life in Jesus and just, you know, call him to, as Lord if because of everybody doing their part. And that's what that whole story arc is about with Mr. Key is like every single person way, way back, you know, his wife, you know, his best friend in, in the war and, um, and Tim, you know, all these people are just doing their part, just gently nudging him. And that's Tim's uh, Tim's joy when he finds that out, you know, that's yeah. like part of that journey. Yeah. And something I loved about the way that you wrote Tim was that he's an active character. He's not just sitting there watching this stuff happen to Mr. Key. He actually has a pressing on his heart that I maybe I need to tell him about Jesus. And then he works up the courage and the, the strength. He gets that from God to do it in like when the family's praying and looking for Mr. Key. And then he tells Mr. Key at the end of that second part, well, there's something I've been wanting to tell you about. It's Jesus. And he's stepping out as an active character. And that moment 
leads to the resolution. Uh, do you? I'm sure you're familiar with what I'm talking about: active versus passive yes. characters, yeah. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how have you how have you found that you can incorporate those kinds of characters into the story, and how did that affect your writing on Gilead? Well, something I've learned just it, as you're talking about active characters is like that's something when I'm when I'm uh, I do a lot of coaching for writers, and that's one of the big things you got to have that that main character, your hero pushing the action forward if just everything's just happening to them that's that's a weak story it's wimpy it's not but he's taking decisive action forward and the the beautiful part about this is uh as he's doing that he's he's he doesn't see any results and how true is that in our life you know we're 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 taking an active role we're, we're doing something we know god's telling us to do this but we don't see the result we don't see the fruits and sometimes we never do and Tim gets to have that that moment at the end when he opens up the old family Bible that that uh, that uh, Mr. Key gave him, and he finds his last journal entry, and he says he listened, you know, and just like there's that moment of closure. But sometimes we don't get to open up the old family Bible and find out, you know, that somebody got saved. We never know, uh, but we do know we need to listen. When the Holy Spirit is nudging us to talk to that person, to like person hurting right over there, that that next door neighbor, that that coworker at work, that that fellow students going through a tough time, God will nudge you. Pay attention to those nudges. You never know where they will lead, and you might never know the result. But be faithful and let God handle the results. Did you happen to write any of the the Zach raps for those episodes where he's yes. talking about this was the theme? Did you write those yourself? Yeah, I um we were uh, that was part of our thing that we would write the um the raps uh, like leading into it and leading out. I think I wrote those. I'm pretty sure I did. Oh, okay. I, I'm pretty sure I did. Yeah, because I, I remember. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember leading Zach in. Whenever I get into a world like this. It's same with Odyssey. I, I like to do some. I like to push the envelope. So I was always pushing Zach in a new like. Let's do something fun we haven't done before. You know. <laughs> so yeah. On the note of those Mr. Key episodes, I actually had a question because uh, my wife uh, she really likes those episodes uh, because they they speak to her on sort of a deeper level because um, her grandparents went through um, uh, like sort of losing their memories and uh, like Alzheimer's mm. kind of thing. And she was curious, actually, if as you wrote those episodes, like, did you have experience with that kind of pain, like that someone that you knew going through that? Uh, because she she felt that it was written really well and seemed very true to what that's like. Oh, please tell your wife, thank you. I appreciate it. That means a lot. When, it, when I'm writing and I'm like... I'm wiping tears away, you know, or when I know somebody else has been touched by it, it's not just me. That that means a lot. So thank you. I, I appreciate that. Absolutely. I've not had, well, I've had a little bit of experience, not super, super direct, but I've been around uh, people with dementia like that. And it just, it really strikes me. You've got this brilliant mind and all of a sudden it just starts to fade away. And with Mr. Key, and it's so like God, what he does is like, even though his mind is starting to fade away, all those memories are starting to come back and starting to weave together. And we're showing even his dementia, he can see there's a pattern here. God's been after me. God had a plan. That's the the, the title. And that's been leading him to himself all along. And so as far as direct experience, not that much, but enough. I could empathize. I could feel it in my heart. What would that happen if that happened to you know somebody very close to me? And it's it's heartbreaking, you know. Just like that person you see is the one you've always loved, but they're not there. They're just kind of like their brain is not there, and it's like and they don't recognize you. It's just, it's it's yeah, 
yeah, it's 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 haunting. It's haunting. But there's there's a moment of hope here, and that's what I want to give. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Well, sort of transitioning to another topic uh, around season eight of the show, you were trading off episodes with Laurie Twitchell on the John for Mayor sort of arc. Yes. You sort of kicked things off with When Good Men Do Nothing and John trying to figure out if it was God's will for him to run. Then Laurie took the episode It's the Little Things and then you had a steady up and she finished it off with May or May Not. So Mm -hmm. first off, what was it what was it like just going back and forth uh, with her on that? What was that process? What that process look like? Oh, it's it's just a joy to brainstorm with another creative writer and just brainstorming ideas back and forth. And there's a verse of the Bible talks about iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And um, it works with women as well. But, but it's like there's something that a fellow writer where you're sharpening each other. It's like – and those those beautiful moments where you go, what if – ooh, what if John just – oh, wait, what about – and then other times when you're sitting there like, uh, we got to figure this out. And you're kind of like hitting a wall a little bit and then you you pray through it. You work through it and then boom, breakthrough. So, ooh, ooh, this would be cool if – and those moments, and it sounds just like that, by the way. Um, so we're all brainstorming <laughs> ideas with Steve O'Dell. He was part of this too. And so as what we do is we map out the whole story arc. Okay, what's going to happen? All those beats of the story arc. And then we assign it back and forth. Like uh, Steve would say, okay, how about, John, you take this part? Or I'll say, hey, I really love this part. Can I have this part? You know, kind of thing. Then Lori will do the same thing. So we just go back and forth on that. So we map out the whole storyline brainstorm that, make a really tight story for the big story arc, and then we assign uh, those episodes to play out that story. And so we know ahead of time, I know where my story is going to begin and end, and Lori knows where it's going to pick up from her story and ends, and so we're just kind of, we're, we know we're going to begin and end, and we figure all that ahead of time, and that way it just has that flow to it. And we're reading each other's stuff too, so we put in those little those little um, little references and stuff like that to make so make it, makes it seem like it was the same you know writer, the same storyline. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And something that we wanted to bring up as we were discussing those episodes, we thought, hmm, it seems like there's something as far as the theme is going here or the emphasis on this is the spiritual message of the show. There was something odd that we'd been picking up on, and I'm hoping we can discuss that with you now here. So first, can I guess we can ask your perspective. Is the perspective that you wrote uh, that John Morrison was trying to find out is uh, as far as if God was calling him or not, or in uh, When Good Men Do Nothing, he thought he had a nudge from God that maybe I should run for mayor. And then everyone around town seemed to be telling him to, and Monica was running. So he thought that was another nudge. And then at the last moment, somebody walks by with a sign, it's time to make a difference or something <laughs> with for Monica. Would you agree with John that God can speak to us like that? Yes. Okay. So it's interesting. Some some people, some people, and, and I respect you know my fellow Christians that believe that God doesn't speak to us like that anymore. I respect it, but I don't believe it because <laughs> I believe He still okay. does speak. He isn't like I look all through the Word, and uh, and this is a theological thing, and people might disagree with me, but I look all through the Word, and there's nothing to say that that, that, that God stopped speaking. I think He still speaks to us. He He hasn't. He's the same yesterday, today. And forever. That's what his word tells us. And to me, when I read the word, the word is an invitation to join this adventure that God has planned out for all of us. And when I read about Moses or David or Joshua or all these you know, great heroes of the faith kind of thing, or just in the Gospels reading about Peter and how flawed he was, and I'm relating to these people. And I think when I'm reading this, to me, it's God calling me, okay, John, what, what are you going to do now? 
these are not just pleasant stories to read that's like, oh, that's nice. It's like, no, I believe that God has an active role in my life and that, yes, he still speaks. He speaks to me through his word. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and would lead us into truth. And that same Holy Spirit is leading us into truth, reminding us what Jesus said, you know, so that there's the word of God and there's also when the Holy Spirit speaks to us. And it's got to line up. You know, some people get the, you know, you got it. On this one, I was very careful. It's like I wanted to make sure Mm -hmm. that to respect all different viewpoints. Some people might just go on feelings like I feel this. I feel that. Okay, that's one indication when you feel a peace, quote unquote, but you can't go on just the feelings, you know, and some people. I'm getting off on theology, but some people like, <laughs> oh, feelings. We can't, no, we can't, we can't have feelings. No feelings are allowed. It's like, well, yeah, Jesus wept, you know, God rejoices over us. There are emotions and feelings are legit, but you can't rely totally on feelings. So you've got that one. You've got the word of God. You've got to read that word and you've got to, does it line up? So it could be that peace, that sense of peace. When you're making a major decision, does it line up with God's word? Is there a piece about it? Is there something dis- disturbing you? It's like, that tells you something. Don't go just on that. But listen, uh, the Bible talks about in the presence of, of many advisors, there is wisdom. You know, listen to spiritual people around you that, that, that are reading the word that know, and get counsel from them. That lines up. You look at all these different things will line up. And then just circumstances will line up. You know, uh, it's a, you look at all those things and that's how God speaks to us. Look at nature. I mean, God is speaking to us through nature all around us. Like you look at the sky and it inspires you to think about God. You, that's what David did. You looked up the sky and he's like, you contemplate God's majesty. So God is speaking to us through his word, through those feelings that he gave us, through friends uh, that we trust and in spiritual advisors. There's all kinds of ways that God is speaking to us if we'll listen. I am curious to probe a little further into that. Uh, just sure. full disclosure. Um, my personal belief, I do agree that God does speak to us and that he is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Um, when I look at the Bible though, what I see is that in the Bible, he speaks to people directly, like people hear either an audible voice or in the case of the Holy Spirit that came upon people and it gave them the ability to do miraculous things. It gave them the ability to speak in tongues or it gave them certain spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as like in the situation where uh, Mr. Morrison finds himself, where he's trying to make a decision about whether it's God's will to run for mayor or not, that's where I tend to sort of believe that it's not necessarily God's will for him to run or not run. It's God's will for his life. Like if we look at the Bible and what the Bible says, we we know that God wants us to bear fruit and that like mm-hmm. fruit, taking in, from an example of like the parable of uh, the different talents that he gives out um, that we're supposed to bring an increase with the gifts that he's given us. Yes. And so it's down to Mr. Morrison to determine, is this a place where I can give increase in a good way? And mm-hmm. he might argue, well, I think that I would bring increase because I can help the town or I don't think I should bring, I don't think I should do this. Cause then I would take the resources or I would take my resources away from being able to invest in my children and yes. I want to bring an increase that way. But I think ultimately God leaves it up to us to discern or to try and discern. And like, obviously we should try to get good wisdom on it and try to get 
um, make sure that what we're doing is in line with what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that necessarily that just because a person like maybe has a good feeling about something that that means God's telling them to do it, that it's like it's God's will because I have a good feeling about it or because I have a peace about it. I think that sometimes people kind of beat themselves out of the head that like they they basically feel that they have to discern God's will, sort of guess what he up in heaven is saying, you have to do this. And if you do the opposite, you've acted outside of my will. I don't, I don't think that that's how that works. So that's sort of how I approach this. So I'm curious just kind of what you think of that. Oh, wow. Okay. Are <laughs> <laughs> we prepared for this? Wonderful question. <laughs> you know what? I'm not, I'm not a theologian. But sure. I, but we're all here's here's the cool thing. We might disagree with how God speaks or what is his what. But we do. There's certain things we do agree on. We know Jesus is Lord. That's number one. Right. We believe his word is infallible and we can count on that word. And that word tells us, you know, like Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. There's certain things we agree on that one. So we might we might disagree on just how God approaches or how he does it. I will tell you from experience that um, to me, to me, uh, when I obey God, um, when he tells me something to do, whether it's through his word or I just, I just, it's not just a feeling. It's just like, I've, I, I don't just, I don't, I don't make major decisions on feelings. That's, that's, that's scary. <laughs> okay. But if something's like, ah, something doesn't sit right. It gets me to look into his word. It gets me to that feeling. I, I don't ignore those feelings. If I'm feeling like something's not right here, it, it causes me to dive deeper into his word, to dive deeper into spiritual counsel like the word talks about, and to, and to, um, and to, and to look at a situation like that. And so, to me, following God is an adventure. It really is. And when I obey him, when I obey his word, I used to think of, just recently, I used to think of obedience like in this onerous thing. Like, we, you know, all it's rules and regulations. We have to do this. We can't do this. We should do this. We couldn't do this. So, you know, it's like, and God showed me a whole new aspect of it. Just that obedience is not an onerous have to do thing. It's the first step to God's adventure. It's like you look at Moses. You know, God says, do this. And when Moses did that, like, put your stick out over the water, right? And he did. <laughs> And miracles happen, you know. God says, "Do this," and something. It's like when and when they took that bold step of faith. When well, the word talks about when you mix the word with faith, that's that's the adventure. It, Hebrews talks about the Hebrews four. It's like it, it talks about that phrase, mixing the word that's God's word and my faith equals the adventure of of following God. And that's just how I see it. I mean, you might think differently, but it's like. I love it. I love following God. I love, like, I can't wait to see what's around the corner. And he's been opening up new opportunities left and right for me. And it's not all good. There's some, there's some awful things that happen. True. <laughs> the big picture is God wins every time, every time he turns, he turns everything to good. He really does. So that's my testimony. Sure. Uh, I, I love that. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. And I appreciate, I appreciate it too. It's like, the beautiful thing about if I see the word differently from you, it's like we agree on the basics. That's cool. We might mm -hmm. have a little different, different thought about this or whatever, or just we disagree on this. That's okay. If we if we love each other, we care for each other, we respect each other, we learn from each other. Like I'm learning from you now. It's like, oh, there's a different perspective. Let me think about that, you know, and that helps me on my journey. So thank you. Sure. Yeah. 
Thanks for being willing to share your perspective too. Um, I've always really appreciated how you do have that perspective of like bringing God into everything you write. Um, how have you seen that um, work through like changing a story where you were maybe writing it one way and then you thought, well, no, God is sovereign here. And like he, th- if I were, if I'm going to glorify him in this story, I'm going to, the story's going to go this way. Has that ever happened in a story where you realize you're writing it from a worldly perspective and then God steps in and, and shows you a different way to write it? That's a, that's a more specific question. Oh, sure. Um, I don't know if I'll, um, I try not to write from, well, this does, this happens. I mean, I, I don't think it's so far off that it's like a, like necessarily a worldly perspective, but right, will, yeah. we'll adjust things. Like I'm, sp- I'm writing one way and all of a sudden I'll hit, hit a wall, you know, and it's like two in the morning and I've got a deadline, right? <laughs> I've got to turn this in by mm-hmm. tomorrow morning. Um, and I was like, okay, it's two in the morning. I'm writing, and it's like, oh, what's what's going to happen? It's like, and what I'll do is, this is so cool. This happen. This works 100 percent of the time. I'll take a walk, like in the middle of the night, whatever. I'll take a walk about yeah, about 15, 20 minutes. I'm asking God for ideas. I'm just like God, you know, I, I'm hitting a wall. You know, I'm just help me through this. And 100 percent of the time, while I'm out in that little walk, God will give me like, oh. That's a great, oh, I never saw that. Like, as I'm writing, sometimes God will put, like, I'll put things in there. It's just like, God gives me something. I'll look back, it's like, ooh, look how that connects. I start connecting the dots. And then by the time, I just like, I can't wait to get back home. Like, I'm almost like running home in a way. It's like, I can't wait to write now. And so what I found is just following him, he may change my storyline. He might help me through a, a wall that I hit. He may, I, there's so many ways he has helped me. And so, yeah, I, I'm constantly changing my story just based on what God's showing me through his word, or he'll just like drop an idea in my, in my heart. It's like, and it's beyond me. I know it's beyond, that's why I know God speaks to me because like he gives me ideas that are beyond me. And it's like, oh, that was brilliant. That was way beyond John Fornoff, whatever brilliance that is. It's like, it's a, like a little flashlight, you know, as compared to the sun, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, just, I love how God does that. Yeah. That's amazing. That's great. As far as your creative process goes, what have you been working on recently and how have you seen uh, your writing style maybe change since you were working on Gilead all those years ago? I am so glad you asked that question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I happen to be um, right now I'm in Kappa Studios, room number one out of like 20 something rooms. Uh, Kappa Studios is in Burbank, California, where um, they do uh, they do post-production on a lot of faith-based movies that you've seen, Unplanned, God's Not Dead, um, uh, Grace Unplugged. They also do The Chosen is post-produced here. And uh, so, I mean, at any time, I might just bump into Jesus in the hall. You never know. It could happen. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, just just writers, producers, all doing faith-based content here. Uh, Paul Long and uh, Brad Silverman run run this place, and along with a great team, and um, and they they want to focus on stuff media that glorifies God. So here's what I'm working on now. Why am I here at Kappa Studio? Okay, here is why <laughs> I'm so excited. All my life, I believe, has been leading up to this moment. When I was working on Adventures in Odyssey, Down Gilead Lane, Lamplighter, Gia Hinti, um, a bunch of series, all this has been leading up to this moment. And here's what I'm working on now. I've been asked um, to help direct a new project, and it's called an audio drama Bible. We're going to come up with a better name for it. But here's what it is. Mm-hmm. 
It is a word-for-word dramatization of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. A dramatization, so it's not just reading the word, you're actually experiencing. What did it sound like when Mary says, I have seen the Lord? What does she sound like? You know, what did she sound like when she was weeping, looking at the tomb, and the stone had been rolled away? And what what did what did it sound like when Peter and John were rushing to the tomb, just running to see? And then John looks in, and he's he's there first. What did that sound like? We're going to bring that to life. The same word for word. We're not changing any of the words. We're keeping it true to the word. But also, what does it sound like? What are the sounds you're hearing when, when Mary is coming to the tomb and she's weeping? They've stolen her, they've stolen her, her Lord. They've stolen his body away. You know, that's, her, that's what she's thinking. She's weeping and she's coming to the tomb. What does it sound like? And she's walking, she's plotting. So we're, we're bringing the sound design. We're bringing Foley. We're bringing custom music. We're bringing actors. And all that's making the Bible come alive. It's a two-year project. And I am, as you can tell, very excited about this. I believe all my life has been leading up to this moment. And I believe it's it's going to be phenomenal. That is really that's exciting. Awesome. I have a, a, weir- a very strange question as I kind of think through. I love strange questions. That. Okay. <laughs> I am very sorry for this question. Oh, no. But <laughs> what, what are the plans for the more PG-13 elements of the Bible? You know what? We're going to um, – well <laughs> – <laughs> okay that's the question i, I don't know like, if they can make it on your podcast but i'll i'll go ahead and go yeah, no, you guys. like, okay, like so. i'm I'm, th- I'm imagining like millstones falling on people's heads oh yeah thing, well, you know? <laughs> certain discretion will be advised as, as we go okay through. okay like for instance when <laughs> when we go to the circumcision scenes we will not be doing any sound design <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> Okay, Thank just you. to make sure that's clear. It's in the Bible, okay. but we only go so far, right? We'll just kind of mention right, that as sure. a narrator thing, and we'll move on with okay. music, okay? Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> so heard, sorry. heard things. In the, it's in the Bible. I love the Bible. It, it is. so relatable. It's so, it relates to where we are, who we are. And there's things in there, it's like, wow. So what we're going to do is we're going to just, like in certain passages, we'll just rely on our narrator and music to cover over cover that part, and we won't. You know, we're not going to do sound design in every single thing, but on on certain things where it enhances the enhances the experience. Let me give you. A, let me give you a quick example. This is so cool because you guys sure. will appreciate audio drama. So oh, yeah, we're sure. doing a pilot. We just finished the pilot, and we're in Philippians. And Paul's talking about how um, uh, Philippians 2, God's talking about how Jesus came in human likeness. He became a man, and then he humbled himself to death, even death on the cross. So I'm reading that that, I've read that passage for years, and it's it's powerful. It's it's a powerful passage. But here's what, I'm going to credit God on this one because it's like, oh, this is so cool. So what, what I wanted to do is, what does that sound like? So we hear the Apostle Paul, and we hear this voice. Uh, we hired uh, Jonathan Cotton to do the voice, and he's he's got this fatherly sense to his voice. He's he's rough and raspy, but he's got that father heart for his children. You know, he's willing to like you foolish Galatians, but on the other hand, it's like I love you. I thank God for you. That kind of thing. So you hear that in his voice. So he's talking Philippians, and he's saying he took on human likeness. And there's a slight pause, and you hear this, and we're going back, and we hear a baby cry. And we hear Mary just, Mm. and he became a man. And we hear, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
and Jesus doing the Sermon on the Mount. We hear him, and we hear the waves lapping on the shore. And he became obedient to death, humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. In the background, we hear, it is finished. And we hear a thunderclap. And we just like, and when I listened to that passage, all of a sudden, I saw it. And I could feel it. It was like I was there. We just heard like Jesus' life on earth in that small section that is so powerful. And that passage of scripture came anew and alive and fresh in a way that I have never heard it before. And I just got tingles when I heard this, like, I can't wait for people to hear this, you know? And so anyway, that's, that's just one passage we're working on that, that God just really blessed. The same Holy Spirit that wrote the, Holy, that wrote the book in the first place, he's in us. And he's, he's like, He's like showing us, oh, here's what that sound here. You know what? He's he's teaching us as we're going. It's amazing. That is amazing. Wow. I'm, I'm really excited for that project to come out and sort of to hear that yeah. and everything. Yep. It's going to be a two years, two years in the making. Cool. Anything I do, we like to push the envelope. What hasn't been done before? What, like, what's something like hasn't been done before? Like, what's an audio zoom sound like? What's an audio pans? What does it sound like if, if like the, the mic is like a camera and it, and it, it's up high and now it dives down into a million people crossing the Red Sea? What does that sound like? So I'm also curious on the audio Bible, is that going to be just uh, sound effects or do you think like, is there also music to that? Oh yeah. Custom music, the whole bit. This is like actors, sound design, Foley, music, and here's the kicker. This is so awesome. It's going to be an app on your phone Ooh. for, guess guess the price. Is it free? You are correct. Ding, 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 ding. What? Free. <laughs> so it's going th- throughout the English-speaking world. It's going every wow. any country that speaks English, it's going to that country. And it's going to be free, an app on your phone. Um, it's being underwritten by a ministry that, that believes we need to get the word of God out there. And they're doing it mm. for free. I mean, it, it's going to cost amazing. them. It's costing them a lot. But as far as you listening to it, absolutely free. That's awesome. Well, I'm so glad you're involved with that. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm really, really excited to see what God's doing in your life and how you're able to help others through that. So that's wonderful. God is so amazing. And it just, I mean, he just, he amazes me every day. And I've been, you know, I've been through some really tough, dark times, you know, that, that I've been through. He has been so faithful. And I look at how he's redeemed even those awful situations. And I call it God bath, where he, he takes something awful you go through and he inverts it turns it into a blessing. He's not done yet. And then he multiplies that blessing. That's how God does it. And it's so beautiful. Well, hey, we need to wrap this up here in the next couple of minutes, but let's have you back on again sometime. How about that? So we can talk about more the, the nitty gritty of, of you guys are fun to talk to. It's like, I love that. I love that. And this is a strange <laughs> question here, John. It's like, oh, but I didn't <laughs> on this. Can we talk? It's like, I love, I love deep questions like this. It's not like, you know, uh, what's your favorite color? You know, I love it. So this is like, sure. This is deeper than that. And I love talking about what we've talked about here. You guys are great. And just, just yeah. you drew it out of me and it's just an honor to be on your show. So thank you. It's been great having you. Thank you. Maybe as a preview of a bit more of the the topical or the maybe even textual, I I don't know how you'd categorize this kind of question of stuff we talk about next time is, can you tell us at all what was going through your head when you wrote the sock episode, (laughs) the very first episode of Gilead? (laughs) That one where Michael had 
had that that whole thing with the invading sock people and yeah that no, thing. I, I love how you said it like can you tell us what was going on in your head like and i can hear the, the subject <laughs> what was going through your head when you were <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we had some suffice it to say we we weren't sure what to think about <laughs> i just i like to have fun like to push the envelope and just i thought okay. that you know what this would be just like Everyone, whenever whatever world I get in, I'm always pushing that the boundary of what is you know. I did that Odyssey, you know, John. John, we need more like down to earth stories about you know a mom and a dad and kids. You know, it's like oh, we can do it in outer space. It's like no, 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 John, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. This is Odyssey. <laughs> no. It's a little town, okay. But I don't like to stay in one little world. I like to respect that world. But what is what's some fun stuff we can do? Um, remember the one? Oh, there's a Valentine's Day show. Yeah, it's a, a two. It's like a, a split episode. It's uh, the greatest of uh, the greatest of these. I think. Yeah, yeah. That was a fun, fun show to write. And uh, with a pl- there's a plumber in there. I remember there's just 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 a joy to write. And now yeah. and then it's it's okay to do that. It's all it's as long as it stays true to the world. You know, just just having some fun in somebody's imagination. So yeah, I don't like to do the same old thing every single time. I like to shake <laughs> it up now and then. So that's what's going no, on inside Don Fornoff's brain. Okay. Well, is there a way that listeners can find out more about the project you're working on right now or if you want to plug your podcast on here or anything else that you'd like to share with the oh, audience? That's very kind. First, I really enjoyed being on the, sh- on the show with, y- with y'all. It's just just what a joy. What a joy. Uh, some of the deepest questions I've ever been asked. I love that. I love that. It's been great to have you. And like we've had guests yes. who don't remember anything about Gilead and who just remember <laughs> a little bit. Uh, so we've had Beth Culp who will go into extreme detail on all of her stories. So it's uh, it's great to hear your energy on this podcast for one thing. So thank you again. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Well, um, I love to teach writing. I love to teach the, the story of uh, like the, the craft of story. So if, if you're interested, there's a, you know, a p- podcast we do called Story Chat with John Fornoff, which happens to be my name, which is kind of interesting how that all works out. Hey. And, uh, <laughs> But it's uh, work. Uh, Brian Bullabush is my my uh, producer on that. We just have we j- we talk about uh, just the the fun, the passion, the joy of writing, uh, of storytelling. So I've got that going on. Also, you can go to my website. You can see this projects I've worked on, projects I'm about to work on. Uh, CircleCreativeNow.com. That's my company, Circle Creative Media. CircleCreativeNow.com, and you can see uh, some projects I've worked on, some behind the scenes, and you can listen to some of the uh, the audio trailers we've done for the shows we've done all the years uh, work with alan hurley on those in uh rob jorgensen mark drury just we've we've yeah we've had a lot of fun <laughs> so you can catch it all, all on those on the, in those places and there's more to come okay great well we gotta let you go uh you mind if i call you john i don't know if i've ever actually <laughs> made, no no like, you, you need to call master Fornoff, please master master Fornoff, <laughs> writer extraordinaire no you can call me john of course yes yes we're, we're all it's been a long day <laughs> okay, you can call me john i've made it a little longer right oh uh, you can call me john it's okay <laughs> Well, we need to let you go, but John, thank you again so much for coming on. I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy this interview. This has been yeah. a long time coming, so uh, you take care. Thank you for sharing so much about Gilead, and we will hopefully have you back to talk about uh, some of the episodes that come a little bit later in the series. I'd love to. Great to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And in the meantime, I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time as we once again return to Gilead.
This is completely unrelated, but it's going to bother me if I don't mention something. <laughs> oh, like oh got, well, I love those questions. Yes. It's not, it's not even a question. I've got a huge Lego set here in my room, and I just noticed somebody <laughs> took a piece off of it. I don't know what it is. So. <laughs> I can't help now you. Now I'm annoyed. I love playing with Legos as a kid so much. I remember as a kid, I was yeah. about seven or eight, and I was thinking as a kid, if they don't have Legos in heaven, I don't think they're going to have Well, now we got to keep this in the interview. That's what I'm <laughs> it's, get to heaven, it's all made of Legos. Wouldn't it be cool? Um, that would be. <laughs> That's why it's taking so long. He's gone to prepare a place for us piece by piece. <laughs> He's putting together the pieces. Oh, wow. There's a whole radical thought. Oh, man. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. He's Target Mansion. That's right. It's made of Legos. That's exactly. cool. He's so cool. Can you imagine face planning, though? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would hurt. <laughs> Back to Gilead, if we may. Um, no, wait. I want to. I want to think this through. Like, <laughs> oh, this, is, this is why it's called Return to Gilead because I'm, I'm imagine you get <laughs> eventually we'll get back. <laughs> Again, we're not being super specific here. Just trying to be general. I'm sure we'll have some more specific, uh, ex- uh, like questions about why you killed off. And then, you know, once we get there, I, I heard, I heard a little, little, uh, yeah, I heard a little subtext under that, uh, but yeah. he's going to use the restroom. So we're going to have background noise. Uh, so I can't talk for now. Uh, you want to keep going? <laughs> well, that'd be an interesting background. That for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's happened before on recording. I didn't appreciate it. <laughs>